You know, I do that every morning. I like to welcome you in the morning. God bless you. My name is Henry Falcone from Flame of Fire Kingdom Awakening Messengers. It is a blessing to be with you today. I greet you on behalf of my wife, Donna, who's one of our moderators uh, on, the, on the broadcast. We so appreciate each and every one of you and thank God for the opportunity to come and meet with you three times a week, Monday through Wednesday, for a special time of, I think, preparation with the Lord, um, impartation from the Lord. And I pray that these, um, these um, broadcasts have been a blessing to you and to, and to your walk with the Lord. Now, as I always do, I have to go over to my um, my phone because I some of the comments because we're doing a actually a, a triple cast on Twitter, um, Facebook and YouTube. So um, I just have to make sure that uh, we are on the air so that I can read your comments. I, you know, at least see them anyways. I mean, I'd be able to read every one of them, as you can probably tell. Yeah. OK, there we are. We are live. Awesome. And I'm gonna put that down to low and put that on. Okay, beautiful. Okay, now I can see the comments. Patricia Bailey, my sister from Canada. God bless you. Amen. It's such a blessing to be with you. One of our faithful sisters in the Lord, part of our team Converge. We love you, sister. Appreciate you. And believing God for releasing of miracles for all of us, including you. So amen. Thank you, Lord, for bringing my sister Patricia on and please sign in. Let us know where you're from. That's an important part because once you sign in and we pray for you, we pray for your family and we pray for your nation or city or state. So um, please uh, let us know where you're from. Good morning, my love. My 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 better half is on with me doing her, her uh, um, moderating today. So it's awesome to be with you this morning. I am very excited with the Lord, you know, and all that God is doing. And I'm going to uh, put in right now just some information so that if you do watch this, it didn't work, but we'll try it again. Let me see if I can get it. Uh, let's see. Where was that now? Okay. I had it a couple seconds ago. Uh, I don't know what happened to it. That's weird. All right. Well, I had some stuff typed in that I could put in there. It just didn't bother. Let me see. Command V. Nope. Didn't work. But anyways, we'll put it on afterwards. Um, it's a blessing. Um, today, I think it's going to be a very special broadcast. Yesterday, this these last three weeks have been a powerful revelation of the kingdom of God reality and the, the knowing of the Lord Jesus Christ as the king of glory and reality. And through these broadcasts, I share about the new kingdom wineskin and the glory roadmap of Revelation chapter 1 through 5 and the preparation of a people for God's end time purposes. That's what these broadcasts are. Now, for those of you that might be watching for the first time, this is not a five-minute broadcast, a 30-minute broadcast, nor are we trying to keep it, you know, um, short just so people can, you know, uh, tolerate it. Um, and I, and I, I, you know, I really felt like uh, the Lord said, you know, that these broadcasts are for specific people, a people within a people, a church within a church, a remnant of God, that these broadcasts are for. They're not for everybody. They're, they are technically for everybody, but they are for those that have an ear to hear and an eye to see and hearts that will understand the secrets and the mysteries of God's kingdom. 
it's not that these broadcasts are better than anyone else's. You know, I, I, I'm not saying that at all. This is a targeted broadcast for a targeted people by the Holy Spirit that God is calling me to be able to share what he's giving me and share together as us the, the, the present word of the Lord. That's what this this is what these broadcasts are for. I believe Isaiah 50 verse 4 is the heart of what these broadcasts are about, where the Lord said, the Lord God has given me. Notice it's given, the tongue of the learned, that I might know how. See, that I might know how. God gives you the tongue of the learned, which means as one being taught by the Lord, to know how to speak a word in season to them that are weary. And see, that's a really important word, to know how to speak. Many times people get revelations, ministers, and they preach the revelation as they get it, but they don't wait on it don't allow it to become their life experience. They don't dig deeper into it to get the hidden manna that's in it. And so many times we get all these new revelations coming forth and we try to put them into practice and do them in the power of the flesh, but not the spirit. Thank you, Lord. Lisa, it's a blessing to have you, my sister. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. And uh, thank you for being one of the faithful watchers. Amen. So I, I hope that these these gatherings that we have together, we together, you, me, and, and all of us and the Lord are being lifted up out of the natural into the spirit with the Lord, where we can begin to receive, you know, divine revelation, divine understanding, you know, from what God is a present word of the Lord, a word in season. That's what a present word of the Lord is, a word in season to them that are weary. Right now, with, the, with all that's going on in the world, it can present a weariness. And you can see it. Good morning, Sister Eva from Canada. God bless you. Another one of our faithful uh, sisters in Christ, worshiping warriors. I, I think this is a gathering of the worshiping warriors. At least we can say that. But anyways, um, but praise God. You know, a, a present word of the Lord is what's needed because that present word of the Lord is what is God speaking today? With a, it's all throughout the Bible. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today, if you hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking. You know, so there's a present word, a present word, because the Lord is continually walking throughout history and he's continually talking to us and he's walking with us right now. And he's speaking to us with 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 revelation, knowledge, understanding, timing and delivery so that we are not this day that comes is that comes upon the earth. We're not caught unawares that we're a prepared people. And that's why I've said that the message of the church age is salvation. The message of the kingdom age is preparation. Why? Because the, the, why does it change? Because the message of preparation prepares us to be overcomers, rulers, and, and reigning with Jesus, kings and priests. In overcoming, we become a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Now, I want to ask you again, I've asked this many times, and I say it to my brothers and sisters and uh, fivefold ministers, have we ever seen a holy nation of, you know, of, of the saints of God on the earth? Have we ever seen the manifestation of the Son of God's uh, daughters of God fully manifested on the earth? No. Have we ever seen a wheel within a wheel and how it functions? No. Have we ever seen living creatures that are connected to uh, a wheel within a wheel that function perfectly from heaven on earth? No, we haven't. Have we ever walked in and dwelled in the glory of God where the seven spirits of God are filling us and the spirit of prophecy is leading us, directing us? Have, have we ever stood in the river of that crystal sea where the Lord is able to work in us and make us transparent like glass so that our life becomes a reflection of his life. No. Have we ever come into the time where we're being completed and finished before the year 2000? No. Everything has changed. We're in a new day. We're in a new millennium. It's a new work. 
And so that's what these broadcasts are about, is to explain that new work to tr that's transitioning us out of the church age with its functioned understanding and all the good that it provided. We got saved, we got healed, we got delivered, we operated in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. But as I said yesterday, that is the outer courts and the holy place ministry. But I read to you from Hebrews chapter 9, but as long as that holy place remains a recognized institution, you know, where, the, where there's ritual acts of worship continually given. And I talked about that ritual act of worship, the holy place ministry, as we minister to the presence of God. And the church age, we understand the presence of God. We experience the presence of God, but we didn't really experience the glory of God. The kingdom of the kingdom age releases the glory of God. In the glory of God, there is a transformation, a finishing work that changes everything from what it was to what it's supposed to be. And we see in Hebrews chapter nine that as as good as it was, you know, maybe I, should, I probably just need to, to go back and review it because that's where we ended up yesterday. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. But in Hebrews chapter nine and under the Amplified, and I really encourage you, if you didn't listen to yesterday's broadcast, that you do that. But Hebrews chapter nine is a powerful transitionary picture of, of Song of Solomon chapter 210 when it says the winter is over and the rain is gone. And the flowers now appear and the singing of the turtle doves, the singing of the birds has come and the voice of the turtle doves can be heard throughout the land. I'm going to expound on that today and hopefully next week. And because I think these are really important um, hidden manna. And that's what I pray this broadcast is about. It's about eating the hidden manna of the Lord. But in Hebrews chapter nine, it's, it says, let's, I'm just going to reread it just for the sake of starting where I left off yesterday. Okay, um, it says, for even the first covenant had its own rules and regulations for divine worship and had a sanctuary, but one of this world. For in the tabernacle, a tent was erected and it was an outer division or compartment, which were the lampstand, the table of uh, the table of showbread. And this portion is called the holy place. I want you to see that Paul, the writer of, to the book of Hebrews, does not start with the outer courts of being saved. He doesn't start with the labor. He's already assuming, because these are Christian Hebrews that he's speaking to. So for Hebrews, once we're saved, we don't stay out in the outer courts. We enter into the holy place. And the holy place is a the holy place is a place of ministry to the Lord. It's about his presence. We're tending to his presence. Okay, that's really important. But I want you to understand in this place, okay, there that you might bring forth the the praise or your worship to the lord and mixture flesh and spirit there's no judgment if you're in the flesh in this holy place in the presence of the lord against the flesh and so in it flesh and spirit can exist and that's why the that's why most of the levites could minister in that place the priests could minister there but if you notice in the holy of holies there was a completely different requirement he had to follow the letter of preparation the message of preparation to the T to enter in to that glory of the Lord, to go into that place and bring the blood of the lamb to atone for the sins once a year. And notice that the high priest could only go in there once a year, one time. He only had permission to go into once. Now that's why that's, that shows us the fulfillment of the Levitical priesthood, even in the church. It shows us how far the church can come. It can come as far as a holy place under the Levitical priesthood and under the holy place ministry. And it's going to describe that holy place ministry right here. It says, but inside the second curtain of the veil stood another division known as the Holy of Holies. 
in it, I want you to see that everything that in the holy place represents glory. So look at it had the golden altar of incense, which is gold represents glory. The Ark of the Covenant, which was overlaid with gold, and it contained the golden jar. Look at the word golden, you know, jar of uh, manna, the rod of Aaron that budded, two stone tablets of, of, of the covenant of the Ten Commandments. So all of that, of the covenant, the word, the glory is seen where? Behind the veil. And so when the church doesn't live behind the veil or enter into that third day or kingdom age, okay, they can never experience the glory realm. The first day, day one is represents, or the outer courts represents us being saved. Day two takes us from salvation to being baptized with the Holy Spirit, allowing the work of God to be done with us, the gifts of the spirit. So we enter the holy place, day two. But notice there's three compartments, three prophetic days. And the third day, and if you think about it from basically from the year 300 to 1500, we just lived in the message of, of salvation through the Catholic Church. But in 1500, when Martin Luther, the Lord began to restore everything that was lost to the church, including the Bible ministry from 1500 all the way up to 1900, God began to restore the Bible ministry, restore the presence of the Lord, restore worship in ways that we hadn't worshiped before. And it brought us all the way up to 2000, which to me is the third day that, you know, the, from how the Lord has shown me. Now, in the in that holy place, okay, it says above the ark and overshadowing the mercy seat, and this is really important, were the representation of the cherubim, winged creatures, which were the symbols of God's glory. He says, we cannot go into details about these things. Notice when he describes the holy place, he talks about the presence of the Lord, the ministry of ministering to the Lord in his presence. But there is a deeper place in the Lord. There's a new day. There's a new positioning. The first two days, uh, the first, the outer course and the holy place function in a church age structure and a church age wineskin. And, and in it, you can bring your works and God's words mixed together. Now, the Lord's going to judge what's of you and what's of him, but you can still bring it there. But you cannot and you will not be able to bring the works of the flesh behind that veil. You cannot bring the works of the flesh. You cannot justify yourself behind that place because that's where the throne room is. The, that holy of holies represents the throne room of God. And every man that entered into that throne room that I see in the Bible fell on their faces like dead men. Isaiah cried out, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, right? You know, in the midst of, a, of an unclean people. Because the holiness of God is seen. And our unholiness is revealed in that place. Now, the Lord is preparing us to live in that place as full-grown sons of God, to dwell in that place. And for that place of glory to be seen, risen upon us. So that we live in the heavenly realms, even while we're in earth, even while I'm speaking to you right now. That that heavenly glory realm becomes to become manifest in us, being seen, risen upon us, and it covers us. The Shekinah glory covers us again as it did in the book of Adam. When that happens, man, everything changes on planet Earth. And that's why everything is changing so rapidly. The sons of God are being manifested on Earth right now. The full company is almost done. And that's why you see the rage of Satan trying to bring in the new one world order and all that kind of stuff on the Earth. Well, there's going to be one world, one world order, but it's not going to be under Satan. It's going to be under Jesus Christ because he's coming to rule and reign for a thousand years. And he's coming to be seen within his saints in 2 Thessalonians 1.10 to be glorified in them. 
these saints are going to be executing the judgments that are written. They're going to bind the kings and nobles with irons of fetter, which is the word of God. And they are going to execute the, they're going to execute the, you know, they're going to be able to execute um, the judgments that are written, Psalm 149. So these end time people that are prepared in position have a functioning with the Lord to bring about the transformation of the whole earth where the kingdoms of this earth become the kingdoms of our God and Christ. But to do that, there is a season of preparation. And I've said this, the book of Revelation 1 through 5, chapters 1 through 5, speak of the time of preparation, the third day work of operation of God, the finishing work of Jesus and what it requires for us to come into that spiritual position. Okay, of ruling and reigning him as an overcomer. All of that is experienced and received, not in the holy place. You have to go further. How many of you want to go further? I know it burns in you to go deeper, right? To see him more, to hear him more, to know him more. And there's a cry within you to put off this corruptible, to put on the incorruptible or that full grown stature of man. When, when, when the enemy comes and this is going to happen in his sons and, and full-grown sons and daughters that when the enemy comes like jesus is a when the when the devil comes he will come and find no place in me and it's going to be no place in us for him to find because he's cast out of that realm of the second heavens where he accused us day and night and the lord brings his man child up into that heavenly realm and he displaces the enemy Jesus comes and stands like right now into that spiritual atmosphere of the second heavens that's where we're meeting him and in that he's displacing the enemy He's casting them down here and arising his creation, you and I, up into that place where we had, you know, when we were in the Garden of Eden. We're coming up to a place up here in the air where we can put our feet with his feet. And what happens when we're when our feet are up here spiritually? Then the Lord can put what? Everything under his feet. We can't put everything under his feet when we're still down here in the church age in the second day. It requires us to go up here to the third where we can now put all things under his feet. And this is so the Lord Jesus is there to restore us back to the to the place in the air. And that's why that's why he's when we come into that living reality, that glory realm of being up here with him, seated with him in heavenly places. When he sends us out, he can send us out into territories and places. And by the pure holy worship, he can displace the principalities and powers and remove them and replace it with pure worship of David's tabernacle. And out of that tabernacle of David ministry to the Lord, the government of God can be established on the earth. That's what we're being prepared for. Isn't that exciting? Aren't you excited? That really excites me on what the Lord is doing. Praise God. But going back to this uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, it says, and the arrangements have thus been made. And this is speaking of the holy place. The priest, and we're a priesthood, enter into the outer division. We go to church of the tabernacle in performance of their ritual acts of worship. This is Hebrews chapter nine, verse six. The priests go in to that outer division, the holy place of the tabernacle in performance of their ritual acts of worship. And so I want you to see this. What is the ritual act of worship that's in the church age? Church services, church works have become ritual acts of worship that we do in the holy place. Now, when you hear that, there's always a derogatory statement to it. I'm not trying to be derogatory, but in the holy place ministry, there is an order of service, is an order of what we do, and the function in that in that holy place is to win the lost at all costs. Okay, and so our function is working from the Lord with very little 
ministry to the Lord, but we, we come to receive a message that can help us fulfill the Great Commission, a message to make us better people, you know, and people sit and they listen and they take notes, but they never function. The only ones that function are the ones that the pastor has set apart to function. The worship team, the prayer team, the leadership, they all function. They're giving permission. But the majority of the body of Christ is not in a place of being able to function. And that is what, at the end of the age, the church structure looks like. And even though they're functioning and these selected men and women are 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 functioning there's still almost like a two-tier system of people there's the leaders and then there's everybody else and in many cases it's in the form of the doctrine of the nicolaitans and the lord hates that so it's one of the things he rebukes in revelation chapter two and three i hate that they hold on to this doctrine of the nicolaitans when there's a people here and everybody else underneath you know the fivefold ministry were never called to be over us they were called to be underneath us and as they get underneath the body of Christ, they lift the body of Christ to become living stones because Jesus is the foundation stone and he's a cornerstone and he's a finishing stone. And if he's the foundation, why would the Bible ministries be up here and the and Jesus, of course, the uh, the finishing stone and the and the and the and the uh, cornerstone, the cornerstone and the finishing stone are down here. So. The, 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 whatever that religious church age structure do, it, it put people over others, you know, and, and, and rule and authority and produce a system where now that that leader or leaders have a church vision, everyone there has to form into that church vision, everyone there. And if you're not part of the vision, if you don't buy into the vision, then there's something wrong with you. And if you don't wholeheartedly come to every church service, every ministry time, every every gathering, every function, you're not a faithful believer. You're not a faithful Christian. And so, so many are felt guilty, condemned. And because of the those big stones of the Bible ministry being up here, all the living stones underneath get crushed. They get buried. There's no place for them. There's no functioning for them at the end of the age. That's why it produces a lukewarm church who says, I'm rich in need of nothing but they don't see their true spiritual state, that they're poor, blind, pitiable, and naked in the state of an infant. They think they're here, but they're really here. And they haven't really grown in true kingdom reality. And so the message that starts the book of Revelations is repent of, of deserting your first love. It ends with repenting and being zealous about repenting and to buy gold tried by fire, get eyesight for your eyes and get white raiment, which means we need a complete makeover to be able to enter into the kingdom age. And sadly, that's the state of the church at the end of the holy place ministry. But the Lord's intention was never to not complete us. He, Philippians 1, 6, he that's begun this good work in you will be what? Faithful to complete it in you, even to the end of the age. It was always the Lord's desire to finish us. We've, I've shared this before, Luke chapter 13. The Pharisees come and said, hey, Herod's coming to kill you. Jesus says this strange statement, right? He says, go tell that fox that today and tomorrow, two prophetic days, I do healings and cures. But on the third day, I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to complete a people. When he speaks of the first and the second days, he's talking about the outer courts and the holy place ministry. And notice he can't finish us there. He has to come and finish us on a third day. And that third day is the resting place of the Lord. That third day 
okay, is where the Lord rearranges his body parts and puts them correctly. Those that enter behind the veil, the fivefold ministers who enter behind the veil, get the revelation of God's glory and realize, wow, we've been up here. We need to come down here. How we function, how we move, how we see the body of Christ changes. We no longer see them as a means to our ends or helpers and workers to fulfill our church vision of or, or, or ministry vision. We see the saints of God as living stones. We see their calling. We see their placement. We see their functioning. And now we pour out our lives to them so that they can be everything that God has created them to be. Even as Jesus does that for his bride by the washing of the water of his word and the giving up his life for her, we as fivefold ministers take on that same nature of Christ. And now we've got the cornerstone. Okay, I'm going to use it like this. Here's a cornerstone here. Here's the finishing stone. And there's the fivefold ministry in the middle, in the middle. And we form this. We form a foundation, right? No other foundation can be laid than, what, than, what, than that which was already laid, Christ Jesus. We laid the true foundation of, the, of, of Jesus, the cornerstone, Jesus, the finisher stone. And now the fivefold ministry gets in the rightful place. When they do, they function in apostolic power, glory, dominion, authority like they've never known before. They have the ability to see the divine placement of God's stones. The ability they get to see where God is rearranging them, where he wants them, and what he wants them to do. And they bring confirmation to each of the living stones, the members of the church, in their calling. They pour out their life to help them find God, see God, know God, and come into full-grown maturity as sons of daughters of God. It's no longer about a church vision. It's no longer about what we're going to accomplish. It's no longer about all these 27 objectives that we're going to try to do. What happens is that the living stones become their life. They begin to see that they are called to build up the body of Christ, like it says in Ephesians, until they all come into full-grown stature of Jesus himself. They begin to realize that their work is to work with Jesus, the author and the finishing stone, to bring a maturity, a seasoning to the body of Christ so that they can hear God, know God, understand God, know his ways, and teach them the ways of the Lord so that they can become priests, kings over their homes, with their children, over their families, over the cities, over the churches in the right manner. So when we get behind that veil, we come into governmental order, true governmental order. But for that true governmental order, there has to be a rearranging of the body parts. And as we begin to bring that true worship to the Lord, the singing of the birds come because the flowers are beginning to appear on the earth. And that means that God's sons and daughters are beginning to arise. They're beginning to be birthed. And when their birthing is seen, the, the birds begin to sing. And that singing is prophetic revelation. It's prophetic understanding. Okay, this all comes out of the holy place. It comes prophetic understanding, apostolic, because now we're hearing from the seven spirits of God in the glory realm. We're, we're experiencing the fullness of the seven spirits of God, and we're hearing the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus. And when that functions in us, you know, we begin to take on a completed nature, a finished nature of Jesus. We become, we decrease and Jesus increases, and his life is now being able to be seen in our life. All of that is behind the veil. All of that is in the holy of holy realm. All of that is in the glory realm. All of that is the come up here of that I shared with you. Because uh, Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 10 starts off, Arise my dove, my fair one, and come away with me. And that's what I've been sharing this week about. That arising brings us into a new place. 
It brings us into a new positioning. It brings us into divine placement, divine positioning so that we can be propelled and filled with the glory of God that will be seen risen upon you. So notice he speaks about this in Hebrews chapter nine, but into the second division of the tabernacle, none but the high priest goes and he only goes once a year, never without him taking a sacrifice of blood with him, which he offers for himself and the errors of the people. Now that priestly ministry, okay, that ritual act of worships is the Holy Spirit speaks through it. I wish there were more pastors, Bible ministers that would hear this because it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary. But there's something, I don't know exactly what it is that is causing many not to hear. There's a dullness in hearing. There's a dullness of seeing and understanding. Perhaps because this message of the kingdom of God, this message of the transition that God is doing really challenges and challenges challenges you to what you are doing are you building or is god building and what if we come to find out that change the change god wants would absolutely wreck everything that we thought of important our finances you know what we're doing because our identity was was built upon what what we build for god and I think that's why many are having a hard time hearing that because what we're building for God has become more important than the God that's building. And so it's hard to let go of what you put your sweat and blood in. And ask Cain, when he was asked not to bring that offering that he worked so hard to bring before the Lord, he never heard he wasn't rejected. He only heard, you know, that, that excuse me, he, only, he didn't hear that his offering was rejected and not him. He only heard he was rejected. And why did he get angry? Because what he brought to the Lord was attached to his life, to his value. And that's one of the major sins in the body of Christ right now and in the leadership is because their worth is attached to what they do. And that can be not just leadership and the people. Their identity is established in what they do instead of who he is. When you enter the veil, all of that burns up. All of that leaves because your identity will never, ever be identified by what you do. It's about who he is in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We rest in his identity. He, we work within his identity. He works within his identity in us. We live in his identity. His identity becomes our identity. And, we, and then we're able to function as full-grown sons of God together with the Lord fulfilling the father's will on the earth as it is in heaven we're no longer telling god what to do we're not saying god this is what we're going to do for you we're not going to say lord lord haven't we prophesied in your name haven't we built this in your name haven't we done all those things because remember jesus told us that would happen but when you take what you build in the name of the lord and you bring it to justify yourself before the lord 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 have we not see that's a justification look at what we did look at what we built when the Lord sees that offering, he sees the same offering that Cain brought and he rejects it because that is Cain's offering. And that is probably one of the most destructive words that that religious spirit does not want to hear. When that religious spirit, that Babylonian church spirit is over your church and over your life and over your ministry, it will hate this word that I just said. It will hate it. Um, why? Because it will make you angry. What do you mean my offering isn't valuable? Don't you understand how much I sweat making those crops? I gave you the very best of the crops. I didn't even keep the best of myself. I gave you my sweat. I gave you my toil. And I gave you the best that I had to give to you. And you're rejecting it? So if you're rejecting that, you're rejecting me. 
And so what happened with Cain? He got angry and he saw what his brother brought, which he didn't sweat about. Abel didn't sweat making the lamb. Abel didn't sweat tending the sheep. He just brought God something that God himself made. God made the sheep, God made the lamb, and all that the Lord wanted was to take what he made and offer it up to him as a sacrifice. Not what we made, but what he made. When we bring what we made, it's rejected. And when we brought what he made, it's accepted. And so what happens now, when, when 2020 happened on the earth and the Lord brought everything to a shutdown, every minister, every believer was given opportunity to take a account of their life. What am I building? Where am I? Why is this happening? And for me and Donna, and I think many others too, we realize we are never going to back to life as it was. We've got to be willing to change. As powerful as God was using us back in 2019 to bring prayer and praying strategic places, we had to let it go. And if it never rose up again, it never rose up again. We we realized that God was doing something new to bring us deeper into, into that veil. Uh, into that glory. Now, most of us that are hungry for the Lord, we've been behind that veil, but we've gone in, we've gone out, we've gone in, we go out. And because we've gone in, we got hunger to go more and we want to stay in there more. But the Lord has a day for that staying. The Lord has a moment where that glory realm will become our reality. And Isaiah 60 says that arise and shine. And when does that day begin? When the light has come, Psalm 24, then the king of glory, let the king of glory in. That's the light of Isaiah 60. And let the king of glory come in. And who is this king of glory? What is this light that we're going to shine with? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord strong in battle, the Lord of hosts. That light, that king of glory is coming to, has come to live inside of us as we, as we get the revelation of him. You know, in, in the in that heavenly realm in Revelation chapter one, where we come up here and we see him, we begin to see him as the king of glory. And when you see him, you can be like him. So now his nature becomes your nature as the warrior. Your nature becomes that of light as he's like your nature becomes strong in battle because he's in you to be strong in battle. He, he, the Lord of hosts, the commander becomes inside of you to lead you as it does in Joel chapter two, the voice, you know, and the voice, the Lord utters his voice before his army and great is that army that execute. They have the power to execute it because they're one with him. They have the power to release it because they're one with him. They're, they have the power to release heaven on earth because they're part of the host of the Lord. Glory to God. All of this, what I'm sharing with you, is behind the veil. All of this is in that glory realm. And so pastors and leaders, do you really want to keep your church in the holy place? Do you really want to stay in that place? I know you want to see signs and wonders and miracles, and you want to see the glory of God, but he, he, he cannot come in his glory in that holy place box. That holy place where we keep our people. He's the people of God that's been entrusted to you are not functioning. They don't have a place to function. They don't have a position to function. They're not able to release what God has made them to be in the midst of the gathering. So the Lord knows that when you step into the holy in the holy of holies ministry, you step into the greater positioning of the gathering of the Lord. Think about it. You're able to join in with a gathering that's before the throne. Think about the myriads of angels that are ministering to God right now, the legions of angels. Think about the, the glory winds that surround 
the throne, the, the river that flows from the throne of God. Think about the living creatures that look up into his face and cry, holy, holy is the Lord. Think about the great cloud of witnesses and the souls of just men that are there right now. Think about the company that's before the throne of God. And what are they doing? They are worshiping the Lord and the beauty of his holiness. And in that worship of God, they're receiving strategies, instructions, and blueprints blueprints to be able to work with us on earth as it is in heaven. That's Ezekiel, what he sees in chapter one, where he sees a wheel within a wheel connected with the living creatures in that glory realm, with the Lord over it and his firmament and his chariots. And the Lord of hosts is now moving heaven and earth together, heaven and earth together to begin the transformations of the kingdoms of this earth into the kingdoms of my God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's all behind the veil. It is not in the holy place. It wasn't made the holy place. The holy place has served its purpose to get us here. Now we got to let go of here to enter in here. And that's where many are struggling. That's where many ministers, because all we have known is the great commission. That's all we've known. We haven't known what the throne will look like. We have brought for 2000 years people to the cross, but we have not brought them to the throne. And so probably about 50 years ago, 40 years ago, people have began to get this revelation and the throne became the destination, which it was supposed to be. Revelation three, verse uh, uh, 21 speaks of our destination. And to he that overcomes, what? All of them, chapter two and three, he says, I will give him the right to sit down on my throne as I have overcome and sat down on my father's throne. That is a divine positioning. It's a necessary positioning for us to be seated in heavenly places with him in reality. That's all what the book of Revelation unfolds before us. The book of Revelations is not unfolded in the first two days of the church age. It is revealed in the third day in the kingdom age. And that's why this book becomes an important book for us in these last days, we have to understand what it means. The secrets and the mysteries of God's unfolding plans to transform this earth, to establish his millennial reign, and then what comes after that is all found in the book of Revelation. There are bits and pieces found in Daniel and Ezekiel, but the culmination, the roadmap is found in Revelation, in the book of Revelation. That's why the last book is called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why when John sees him on the Isle of Patmos, it's a completely different revelation of Jesus than he's ever seen before. All of that is behind the veil. All of that is in the Holy of Holies. So why would we stay in this place? You know, the Lord told me personally, and I've said it for years, no one gives up anything until they see something better. That God revealed to me personally, no one, and I preached this and I taught this, no one gives up anything without seeing something better. That's what Revelation chapter one does. John sees the more. He's the first overcomer. He's positioned to come up into the heavenly places with the Lord. John, yes, he's a forerunner, the first overcomer. And I want you to see that him versus the other 11 all the other 11 died as martyrs. He did not. He died a natural death because he fulfilled the, his lifespan completely as an overcomer. It's not that the others didn't. They had a different function and purpose. But why did God keep John alive? Why did John? He suffered. He was in prison. But why, did, why, why wasn't he killed? Because he couldn't be touched. 
because of his positioning before the Lord. He had a function to complete. And think about it. All of creation is awaiting and in travail for the fullness of the manifestations of the sons of God to be upon the earth. Do you remember they got angry with, they started talking amongst themselves, you know, about John? And Jesus says, what is it to you if I let him live forever? What is that to you? He said, you be about your business. So the Lord was showing John, he said, was good, that he was going to see the kingdom of God and live to the point where he could see it. And he did. Thank you, Lord. So back to Hebrews chapter 9. But into the second division, I said this already. Let's go verse, let me just repeat it. None but the high priest goes in once a year and never without the taking of blood with him, which he offers for himself and his people. The book of Hebrews reveals Jesus as a high priest, Melchizedek, and what that is. I, I, there's a wonderful book. If you want to understand Hebrews, okay, it's called The Holiest of All by Andrew Murray. Believe it or not, as a brand new baby Christian, and my pastor in Connecticut gave me that book. Another sister, sister gave me a book called High Speed and High Places. I didn't understand how these two books would be some of the influ most influential books I've ever read before. But when, I, when the time came for me to understand the book of Hebrews, the Lord told me to take that out. And it displays Jesus's high priestly ministry that releases authority, power, and dominion in our lives to release heaven on earth. Great book. It's about that thick. And I, I mean, I, it would take me a month to read a chapter. I probably read the book three times. So it's called The Holiest of All by Andrew Murray. Okay, you might want to take, take it up. If you want to understand what I'm talking about right here, he talks about it. So now he now what Paul does is he separates, he shows us two prophetic days. The day, the three prophetic days, the holy place representing day one and two. Okay, the outer courts that you have to come through to get into the holy place. And then day three, which is behind the veil, you know, or the holy of holies. He sets those two things before us and he distinguishes the work of them. Now let's read verse eight together. By this, the Holy Spirit, by what? By these two partitions and by the priests, only the high priest able to go behind that throne. It says, by the Holy Spirit points out that the way into the true Holy of Holies, and this is powerful, amplified version, is not thrown open or to be able to seen as long as the former, listen to how he describes the Holy Place ministry, and the church age and the church age structure. Boy, if we could get this. As long as the former, the outer portion of the tabernacle remains a recognized institution and still standing. So it was always God's intention for the second day to end and dissolve and the third day of the kingdom age to begin. It's right here. This is one of the evidence right here. And the Holy Spirit is pointing out to those like you and I today, the difference between the second day church age and the third day kingdom age and why it's not, it's not in competition. It's not a new different theology. It's not, it's the reality of what the kingdom of God looks like and what's going to manifest in our lives, how the Lord has come to complete us, how he's come to be seen glorified within his saints. In that day, it says he shall come and he shall be seen glorified in that saints. 
in the saints. That's exactly where we are. And those that are seeing this no longer stay in the holy place and they enter into that, into that holy of holies. Now that may cause them to leave the church that they've been in for years. It may cause them to separate themselves from a lot of things that they used to do because their desire is to be prepared for glory. And the Lord will not allow them to stay in that which is fading away when he's causing us into what is going to be revealed. He's not going to let them stay who get the revelation of his glory, stay with that glory that's fading away. Moses' glory faded. This glory is going to be seen and staying risen upon you. So if those that are beginning to operate in the glory realm and, and understanding the tabernacle of David, the purpose of worshiping the Lord with uh, and the Lord, the singing of the birds, the true worship of the Lord. They've grown up, they begin to see as a flower and they now are beginning singing. Singing always represents an overcoming testimony. They sing unto the Lord a new song. He has formed us into a kingdom of kings and priests unto our God. So they're singing, you see, they're singing. So there's a song that needs to be sung. Now think about it. If, 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 you know, if you go to my psalmist Henry Falcone um, YouTube channel and you listen to the music on there, it is not anything that's being played on the radio or in church. It is not anything like we've seen or heard before. It's a worship that's birthed from God. It's a worship that sits and waits for the Lord to, to lead me, the spirit of worship to rise up and the Holy Spirit to lead us up into the higher places of God, to the higher places of seeing, hearing. And if you take a look at these last few months and even this last year and listen to songs that God has given Donna and I, and Donna, you would, you would agree with me here that we don't even, we're just lifted up as we begin to just play, as I put my hands on the fingers, my fingers on the piano, you know, and, you know, and I just begin to listen. We begin to hear the melody of heaven. Don't we, Don? We begin to hear the melody. And as we begin to hear the melody, and I believe we're hearing the worship that's before the throne, we're hearing that melody, then all of a sudden, you know, it may come forth in tongues or it may come, or we get the interpretation of the notes and we begin to sing. And as we begin to bring that to the Lord, that which he wants, he takes us up higher and higher to see more and more, experience more, be filled with his glory, see his glory realm, see his operation. And the songs reflect it. The songs actually sing of what's in heaven and how it's to manifest on earth and the desires of the Lord. Listen to them if you haven't already. Maybe somebody can put that on the website, Psalmist Henry YouTube channel, Psalmist Henry uh, on the chat line, Psalmist Henry Falcon. Listen to them. It's not a music of this world. And so when you come to a divine convergence, the music is not going to be soaking. It's not going to be, you know, the best spirit filled music you've ever heard. It will be nothing like that because the music that's going to come forth, the worship that's going to come forth in these convergences is from that glory realm, birth from that glory realm to take us deeper into the secrets and the mysteries of God's heart that he can share with us individually for you, for your life, for your family, for your church and for your ministry, because the worship's coming from a different place. It's coming from the holy of holy place and we're entering. And every time we enter into that worship, we stay there longer. We stay in that glory longer. We're prepared spiritually, mentally, physically to stay in that glory realm and that glory realm to stay in us. Those that have come to the convergences, if you were ever to listen to the, to the testimonies that we have on our Facebook page, they said this last. Now I've been to outpourings of God, you know, but, and you know, but they faded. 
just like a revival, the end. This doesn't end. Why? Because it's from a deep, different priesthood ministry. It's not from the Levitical ministry. It's from it is from the it is it is from the the um uh, man Melchizedek ministry. Jesus high priest ministry is after the order of Melchizedek. It has no beginning and it has no end. So it's in the power of an endless life. So when we receive that priestly ministry and we bring that priestly ministry, we're changed by that priestly ministry to become sons and kings to rule and reign with him. And it doesn't leave because you've been changed from glory to glory. If you would hear the testimony of those that are coming to the convergences, it hasn't left them. They have grown, their desire has grown, they're burning more, why? Because they have entered into that veil, they've gone into the Holy of Holies where they can be finished, where they can be completed, where they can be changed, where God can burn up and remove everything that's not like him in that place. That he can change like in Zechariah. He changes those filthy garments and gives us royal garments and puts a royal a turban on our head, which means we're now clothed to stand in that place before God. We've got the right clothing. We got the new mind, the kingdom mindset of that turban. So now our mind you know, isn't going to take us out of the glory of God. It's going to stain the glory of God to receive his thoughts, his plans and purposes. So there's a stain that God, as we overcome, as we repent and change and overcome in Revelation chapter two and three, we're positioned to stay, to be seated with him. I give him the right to sit with me on my throne, even as I have overcome and sat down on my father's throne. When you're seated, that is a position of authority. Do you see? It's where the place of power and dominion. Now you're readied by the Lord. You're prepared by the Lord. You're positioned by the Lord to do only and exactly the will of the father as Jesus did, because you and Jesus are one in that behind that veil. The oneness, the glory is released within you. His glory becomes your life's experience. You're changed by glory to glory, changed from glory to glory. And as you're changed, you, the, that you decrease and the Lord increases. And as that process comes into full grown maturity, he then can release the power and authority of his word coming out of your mouth like a rod of iron. You are going to be able to release cleansing judgments upon the world, words of consequences, as Moses did, as Jesus did, as Paul did, as Peter did. You're going to be walking in a different realm of power, authority, and, and glory because you've been prepared for it. Thank you, Lord. Now, I ask you a question. This is not the message you're hearing in the church age. You're not. You'll hear the end time harvest is about to come. We need to get in a place where God is going to work signs, wonders, and miracles through you. You need to do this, do this, do this. Notice everything in the church age is about doing, but everything behind the veil is about becoming. That's a word, isn't it? In the holy place, you do. In the holy of holies, you become. Why? Because when we see him, you'll be like him. You don't see him in the holy place. You don't see him in the outer courts as the king of glory. You don't. And so you don't experience the glory. This is why this is so important. And the book of Hebrews is sharing with us the difference between the church age and the kingdom day, the second day, the holy place. It's not that the holy place is wrong. It had its purpose. But it says in verse eight of Hebrews chapter nine, by this, the Holy Spirit, not not me, not Brother Henry. This is not my opinion. I'm not sharing you with my opinion. I'm sharing with you the hidden manna. 
and it says this by the Holy Spirit points out that the way into the way into the way into the true holy of holies is not seen or thrown open or recognized as long as the holy place, the outer portion of the tabernacle, remains a recognized institution and is still standing. 2020, God brought that to a head. He shut everything down in the holy place ministry where we no longer could come together, gather together, do evangelism, do the things we're doing. He brought everything to a stop for this one purpose, to reveal that it's a new day, the dawning of the kingdom day. It's been, it's been here for a while. I call it from midnight to 6 a.m., but 2020, the sun rose. The dawn came of the kingdom age, and more people are seeing it now than ever before, hearing it more than before, and receiving what I'm sharing better than before, ever, ever, because I'm, I'm not sharing the message. I'm not sharing the, the gospel of salvation. I'm sharing the gospel of the kingdom, which includes salvation all the way to the throne room. And the Bible says that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness before the end comes. So that's really important as a witness. What is the spirit of prophecy? The testimony, the witness of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit points out that as long as that remains a recognized institution, what does that mean in practicality? As long as I do a church service, okay, with its ritual acts of worship. And I know, I know many are receiving kingdom understanding and they're trying to change things. But what they're not changing, not seeing, is the wineskin has to change. The structure has to change. How we see the body of Christ has to change. What we're doing has to change. And it has to come in line with kingdom government. The kingdom government is not going back to the book of Acts and trying to rebuild what they built. The kingdom government is the book of Revelation becoming a reality on the earth where a new Jerusalem city comes down, all adorned as a bride to rule and reign on the earth. It's completely different. It's not lesser, it's greater. That was the former. This is the latter. And we get the former and the latter reigns together. And Song of Solomon chapter two tells us the winter is gone. The winter has ended. The rain has gone. That ends a spiritual day. And it begins to show us that recognized institution. Remember, the winter's gone. Day one and two, the winter's gone. Okay, and, and, and the, the rains have ceased. But now the flowers appear of the kingdom age. The flowers are the sons and daughters of God arising. They're the flowers that are now being seen on the earth. They're the flowers that are arising. And it says in their rising, the birds begin to sing. That means they're bringing true and pure worship to God. And that true and pure worship is only found when you go behind the veil. I have ministered to the Lord in the holy place. I sang to the Lord. The Lord sang back to us. We've, we've experienced all of that. All the prophetic worship that we have known, we've experienced that in the, in the church age. This is different. The gathering is different. The purpose is different. The function is different because it's the functioning glory. When we come together in divine convergence, we're coming into the realm of functioning glory. We function with his glory. We function in his glory because we're filled with his glory. And so the worship comes from glory. The, the speaking to the Lord comes with glory. We minister to him from his glory because that's exactly, listen to me, that's exactly what's happening in heaven right now. They are worshiping the Lord in his glory.
They are filled with glory. They are living in glory. My mother and father who have gone to be with the Lord, Donna's parents, all of our loved ones that know the Lord, they are worshiping the Lord and glory. They are in his glorious presence and they are worshiping him in that glory. And David was the one that God gave the ability to change the order of worship that was found in Moses' tabernacle to bring that glory worship to earth. He changed everything about ministry to the Lord. David was given an instruction to bring the worship that he seen and received by revelation before the throne of God. He brought it to earth. So he removed the Ark of the Covenant. He took the Ark and he placed it outside of the tent and he placed his own tent around it. And we don't know the dimensions. We don't know the size. We don't know the shape. We don't even know what it's made of deliberately because that tent represents the living stones of God. It represents God's work of, of, of what he's building, that the Lord himself built that tabernacle. And David took the ark, which was illegal for him to do. But David was the first one to operate in three different anointings as a prophet, a king, I forgot there's a prophet, king, and whatever I'm missing. Oh, man. Don't come to me. Anyways, I'll, I'll remember it. Donna, you'll remember it. But he had three anointings. Right. What is, yes, prophet, king, and priest. Thank you. He ministered in the prophet, the king, as king and priest. He, in that function, was functioning and ministering in a Melchizedek ministry, a different priesthood. And because it was different, he assigned different ministers of the Levitical priesthood and others to minister to the Lord differently. And so the pure holy worship that God needed to establish David and to establish the government of God on earth came from the pure holy worship of God from the glory realm. It was so important that David never went into battle without going before the Lord, before the ark, into that holy of holies, you know, and putting on his Urim and his Thurim and seeking God's instructions of how to go against his enemy. He didn't move without God's instructions, without God's battle plans, without God's direction. Notice in the holy place, we do it all the time. We go into battle without the real instructions and the battle plans. David never lost because David always got the heart of God. He got the mind of God. He got the instructions of God. He got the battle plans of God. He knew that the only way he could win, the only way he could be victorious is by going before the God of the Ark of the Covenant, going into that glory realm. Remember, that Ark was overlaid with gold. It had gold all over it. It had the winged cherubim, the mercy seat, which was made out of gold. Gold represents glory. And he knew it was the mercy of God that would give him the instructions, the blueprints of the plans, how to lead Israel to his heart how to lead Israel to true worship and how to lead Israel over their enemies, to have victory over their enemies. And that's what our Jesus who sits on David's throne has come to us in this day to raise up that priestly ministry in you and I from that glory realm, that kingly ministry from the glory realm and that prophet ministry from that glory realm. And so now we like David, we like the Lord can now function with the Lord, our high priest Melchizedek, Jesus now living in us as prophet, king and priest. 
you know, as, as and forming us as a bride, a bride priest and son kings, so that we are one with him and function and purpose and glory. We're one with him with instructions and blueprints from the father, just as he was. And as he became the reflection of the father on the earth, he will now be seen in us as a reflection of him upon the earth. None of that is experienced in the holy place. None of this reality I'm sharing with you can fit into a church structure with time frames on it. Where worship is relegated to be part of what we do instead of the whole of what we do. When worship is only given a season, when we have that false mentality, that demonic doctrine that says worship prepares you for the message, that is a doctrine of a demon. I'm telling you right now that worship prepares you for the word. No, it doesn't. God told me this personally. Worship does not prepare you for the word. I am the word, he said. Worship is for me. Worship brings you into harmony with me, my purposes, my plans, my designs, and the Father's. That's what worship is. It's not to prepare you for a message. Do you see how we devalue the worship of what God wants? And do you notice what we did with the worship by saying, by, by putting somebody in charge of worship that doesn't know the priestly ministry, that isn't a psalmist that knows how to minister the Lord? They know how to copy Caleb. They know how to copy Hillsong. They know how to copy Bethel, your favorite place of operation. But what they don't know is how to find God themselves. They don't know how to bring you behind the veil. And because of the structure, we don't want it that long. People have to go home for lunch you know so we got to make sure that we make the service that fits the needs of man instead of coming together to meet the needs of God and when you come to convergence that's what you're going to experience because the needs of men are not first the needs of God are first and in that he meets the needs of men but as long as we see this holy place as a recognized institution and still standing as long as we allow it to be stand then it blocks the true way into this place of destiny. You're preaching it, pastor, that they're supposed to walk here. You're preaching it, apostle and prophet, that they're supposed to be here. But you're not bringing them there because you don't know where there is. And I don't say that disrespectfully. I had to learn where there was because the value of working has overshadowed the value of becoming. But everything that you want to see, everything that you think you hear from God cannot happen from that holy place ministry because we're in a new day. We're in a new hour. We're in a new season. He's got new weapons. He's got new armor. He has new ways of a kingdom wine skin that we need so that we can be filled with the new wine so that we can function with the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why is this important? Verse 9. Seeing that the first, the outer partition of the tabernacle, listen carefully, is a parable. This is really important. It's a parable. It's a visible sign, a type or picture of this present age. So he's comparing the age, the holy place age to the holy of holies age, two different days, two different ages, two different functions. And if we want to stop and pitch our tent and keep it there in the holy place, like in Moses' tabernacle, we're going to miss God's government. We're going to miss becoming an overcomer. We're going to miss being prepared as kings and priests of God and formed into a royal priest in the holy nation. 
what will be left is that woman that's being chased by the dragon in Revelation chapter 12. He says, this is a parable. Do you remember what his disciples asked him in Matthew 13? Why do you speak to them in parables? He doesn't directly answer the question. He directs the answer first to them. It says to you, it has been given to be known the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom to you. So they're used to you, Matthew chapter 13. It has been given the right to know and understand the secrets and the mysteries, but to them, I speak in parables. And then he explains it because they say they have eyes to see, but they can't see. They have ears to hear, but they can't hear. They have hearts to understand, but they can't understand. And then he explains why the seed doesn't grow. And then he explains how it grows. But he separates a you and a them. I want to be a you, not a them. And if you're a them, what I'm sharing with you will be like a parable. You're not going to understand it. You won't. This will be an offense to you in a lot of play, in a lot of ways. It'll be offense to what you're building and what you're doing. Because it says, seeing that the first outer portion of the tabernacle was a parable and a visible a visible symbol, a type of picture of this present age. Now listen to why it is. In it, gifts and sacrifices are offered. Gifts and sacrifices are offered. What do we do in the holy place? What does our service look like? We bring him gifts, right? And sacrifices, okay? Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, here's our sacrifice. We're gonna have 40 minutes of worship. And maybe depending on how worship's developed, you may even go deep into the presence of the Lord. Maybe you're still in the ones that do three fast, one medium, three slows. Maybe you're, maybe where you go is still back in liturgical worship, you know, of, of hymns. And there's nothing wrong with singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs to the Lord. You can do that. But the function in the heart of the minister and leaders of that worship, it's for God, but it's to prepare you for the message that they got from God to bring to you. Can I ask you a question? How is that worship? Worship what? And just to prove it, if you're a minister, ask your people. Ask your people that when the presence of God is really strong and all of a sudden we stop and we go to the announcements or whatever else we're going to do, why does the anointing decrease? Ask them. They're about to enter in and they get frustrated. And they want more of worship. They want to be with the Lord more. But we said, you've had enough. We determine how long they can be with God. If you think about it, man, ugh, I did that. And God froze me in my tracks, literally, and told me to stop it back in 1992. He wasn't pleased with it. Just think about it for a minute. The people are just beginning to experience God. And we say, you've had enough. We need to move on now. And here's the sad part. What do we move on from? Being with the Lord to what? Here's what we're doing this week. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's like taking my wife out to dinner, getting her flowers, having the meal in front of her, you know, and all of a sudden, Somebody comes and sits down from my business world and I sit down and I talk with them about what we're doing. And she's sitting there wanting to have dinner with me. And I am now talking to this person about all my work stuff. 
And then when that's done, I look back at her and they leave and say, oh, honey, oh, I want to talk to you again. And you know, I want to see you again. By this time, she's looking, hello? Imagine what the Lord does. When we bring those announcements, whatever priorities that we have of doing his work, to take the place of being there with him. Thank God he's patient. That's all I can say. And he still works through it to those that are hungering for the Lord. But, it, but in the holy place, that cannot come into the Holy of Holies. Into the third day, that will not cut it. You cannot bring that in. You cannot bring church services into the behind that veil. They don't fit. They weren't made to fit. I'm not saying that's bad. They weren't made for this day. They weren't made for this hour. They were used in that day, but they cannot be used because it's an old wineskin and it, it can't contain what the Lord is about to do. So imagine that. Okay, so we set that time and people just experienced. I wish pastors would ask the people, just stop. Would you like to worship the Lord more? I would guarantee you if his presence is, everyone would shake their head. Yup, 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 yup. But you see, the focus is to get to the message that we lost the sight of God. We lost the God of the message. So now we're going to bring in a message with mixture of flesh and spirit. And it's going to touch the surface of people and not, not change them because they haven't seen or experienced God in the fullness. They may feel his touch. The touch is in the, in the holy place. The fullness is behind the veil. So which is better? Where would you rather be? Where would you rather live? Where would you rather see your people? If you're truly a man and woman of God, wouldn't you want your people there? Why would you want to keep them here in an institution that is still standing that needs to dissolve? In 2020, God gave us a chance to dissolve it, burn the ships. I got so persecuted for saying that, you know, really, because it was such an offense because my life's worth is attached to what I do. This is what I've done for 30 years. And now you're telling me God wants to do something different. I'm just saying he wanted you to change the structure. He wanted to change the structure so that whatever God has asked you to do in your people, you would be able to do it in the will of God, in the glory realm. And so it says, seeing that the first outer portion of the tabernacle was a parable, a visible sign type of this age, and it gifts and sacrifices are offering. So here's my gift of worship. Here's our announcements. Then what's usually next? Tithe and offering. Right? Got to get the collection. You need the money to fund all that stuff that we just talked about. And then I'm almost every pastor, for the most part, especially in more, uh, uh, more of the evangelical or charismatic realm. Okay, let's sing another song to the Lord. Okay, let's get back to the presence of the Lord. Let's, let's bring the presence of the Lord. I said that, I did that. So I judge no one. That's what I was taught to do. I knew the presence of the Lord lifted. I knew it. We did all these things. We put our agenda in there. And now we're going to get back to God's agenda and bring them what God gave us to share with them. So do you see the mixture of flesh and spirit? Do you see it? The flesh chose the songs. The flesh chose the time. The flesh chose what we're going to sing. The flesh decided what we're going to say. And yet the spirit of God, we were going to worship the Lord in spirit. We're going to try to bring a message in the spirit. So it's a mixture of flesh and spirit. That's the best the holy place can produce. But on the third day, I'm going to come and finish my course. In that place that we just talked about, okay, of, 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 of that order, there were healings and signs and wonders and miracles. That's the goodness of God. 
as he came and he did those. On these two days, I will heal and cure and do miracles. But on the third day, I'm going to finish. I'm going to complete what I started. That's why behind the veil is where that completion work is. And that's what it tells us. In it, gifts and sacrifices are offered. But yet it is incapable, and this is important, of perfecting. That word perfecting actually means finishing, completion, full-grown maturity. So the holy place ministry, as long as it remains a recognized institution and we stay doing that, look what it does. It's in, it is incapable of perfecting and completing the conscious and the cleansing and the renewing of the inner man or the finishing. It is incapable of removing every spot, every blemish and every wrinkle so that God, Jesus can present it to himself us as a glorious church. It can't finish the job. It's incapable of completing us. Why? Because it's only the glory of God that can finish us. That's why everything in the Holy of Holies is overlaid with gold, which is the character. Gold represents the character of God. And for us to come into full grown sonship and maturity, the Lord has to either bring that church and pastor into that veil and they live behind that like we do in divine convergences or he'll take the individuals who hear his voice and that knock and he will draw them out of that structure out of that holy place because he's not going to leave his full-grown sons and daughters in a structure that has ended he's not going to bring this end time harvest that's going to experience in the kingdom into that structure so you have a choice i have a choice burn the ships and let god build the house and bring forth the new kingdom wineskin of reality in our life and take us behind the veil where we learn the worship of heaven, where the worship of heaven becomes ours. We become so one with heaven and earth. That's why I said David was given the task of restoring worship where everyone of the whole of Israel could come and worship the Lord the same way and worship the Lord and the beauty of his holiness. In David's tabernacle, there were no big people, no little people. There was just God and his people. And those that were leaders and priests were equal as every single believer that came in there. They functioned differently. The scribes functioned differently. The prophets functioned differently. So all of those gifts and all those operations functioned differently, but they were the same in their worship to God. They were sane in what they brought to God. They were sane in their love for the Lord. And God would speak to Israel through that. The prophetesses and the handmaidens and the men servants would hear the present word of the Lord. And they would speak the present word of the Lord in that tabernacle. There's no prophetic voice in Moses' tabernacle. Where is it? Matter of fact, Jeremiah had to stand outside of the temple to be the prophetic voice because they polluted the temple. Who wants a Jeremiah? I know the church doesn't want a Jeremiah prophet today because he's going to say, what's wrong? Look at what you're doing. They don't want the Ezekiel prophet that says, you know, uh, you know, that, uh, that, you know, you, you've deserted, you know, you've abandoned your post. And they certainly don't want the Isaiah, you know, prophets coming into the church as well. Why? What did Jesus do when he went into the temple? He took a stick and he drove out the money changers and the lenders. Because judgment begins in the house of the Lord. So what the Lord is desiring is for us to get the kingdom understanding of what it means individually to be with him and corporately in this new day, in this new hour. We are to be one with him in the heavenly realm. We are called in Revelation 2 and 3 to repent, change, and overcome her. 
and overcome. And when we overcome what the Lord sees in those those two chapters of the church, we are positioned to enter into the true worship of heaven. What's going on before the throne right now? What do you think is going on? Worship. They're worshiping him and the beauty of his holiness, the songs, the, the ministry, everyone has their focus on him and everything he's going to say and he wants them to do comes out of that worship, out of that glory realm. And the, it flows like a river. And so now you understand why Ezekiel is so important because Jesus comes in this third day to be seen glorified in his saints. And when he's seen within us, we become a wheel within a wheel. Jesus, his full-grown sonship life, living in us as full-grown sons, we become a wheel within a wheel. And now we're positioned to be connected with heaven to transform earth. They said, as the living creatures are lifted up, the wheels are lifted up. And as the living creatures go down, they go down. And then it talks about them not breaking ranks, not breaking order. They're one with the Lord and as a bride with a bridegroom, as a son with a father, and they're one with one another perfectly functioning as a wheel within a wheel to accomplish the will of God upon the earth. All of that and what I'm saying of this overcoming life can only be found in the glory realm, the finishing work behind the veil. You know, so that's why it says that they are incapable of perfecting the cleansing and the renewing on the inner man of the worshiper. In other words, they cannot become full-grown sons. It brought us to the place to see sonship to see Jesus, but it commands us and calls us to go behind the veil that we can see the Lord and the glory that he had before the foundations of the earth. And in seeing that glory that he had before the foundation of the earth, we see him like John did in Revelation chapter one. And when we see Jesus revealed to us as a king of glory, guess what? We've invited him in. Now the king of glory, <laughs> Psalm 24 becomes a living reality. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Lift up your head, you age-abiding doorways, with a command, and let the king of glory, notice the word, king of glory, come in. We're to let him in. I'm standing, I'm waiting, I'm seeing who will let me come in as the king of glory, because it changes everything about your life. Because from that moment on, that refining fire, that fuller soap, that finishing work of the third day becomes your life experience, and you change and you're transformed from glory to glory until you manifest that full grown life of Jesus where he can trust you now to walk in kingdom, power, authority, and dominion. And you understand that what he's asking for is a pure and holy worship of the Lord. And you understand what that worship is because he teaches you and instructs you in the way that you should go, Psalm 32a, and he guides you with his own eyes. When the Lord prompts me to go to that keyboard, I play and he deposits the melody within me. Donna, we'll get a word. I think we need to minister to the Lord today. And we go at that calling of the Lord. And when we do, we have no idea what the song's going to sound like. But the notes, I've never played like this. I'm telling you, I have never played my keyboard like this. Donna can testify to it. Those that know me can testify that I've never played like this before. I never sang like this before. Neither has Donna. Those to the, that come to the convergence, we've never experienced the Lord in worship like that before. I mean, they've had such real encounters with God, not just an encounter, the reality of God, where the Lord actually comes and writes his laws upon their heart and their hearts burned with them, within them like the two men on the road of Emmaus. 
And all the reason why they experienced God in that fullness and his glory is because we removed the boundaries. We removed the structure. We put away the Holy Place ministry. And that came with an instruction in December 2020. The Lord said, I'm releasing you again, and I want you to have divine convergences. And this is what I want you to do. Because all I want you to do is gather. I want to meet you in Navarre, where I live. I actually live in Galpi. It's the next town over. He goes, and I want you to meet me there. And I want, I'm going to reveal myself to you as your bridegroom king. Now, I've known about that for a while. He said, but I want to reveal myself to you as bridegroom king. He says, there's no agenda but seeking my face. There's no guest speakers but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working through his people. And he said, I want you to do it. Here's the dates. I'm going to meet you. And then invite those that you know. Put it on your Facebook and invite those to come. Now think about it. In the holy place, if we're going to go to a gathering of a revival, there is a purpose of that revival, isn't it? Okay, something started, something happened, right, that caused that revival to ignite. Okay, that's how it started. And it lasts for a period of time and then it leaves, you know. Or we have a conference. Let's have a conference and let's talk about miracles. Let's talk about signs and wonders. Let's talk about destiny. And people got awful rich by doing these conferences. I'm just saying. They got awful rich, you know, especially when they get words of the Lord. Like, you know, all right, there may be 100 pastors here. And God is telling me you need to give $1,000. Well, you add it up. So you can see there's much mixture even in the conferences. You know, then we do other things like apostolic gatherings, prophetic gatherings. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. But what's the purpose of it? Does it keep us up here and everybody else here? Does all of those apostolic and prophetic gatherings keep us in this position there instead of being here? Is it still about our vision of what we see? Or is it about the vision of what God sees in his people being built up? It says you being built up as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house. That's what God's building. So you have to ask yourself a question. Conferences have guest speakers, okay? But in a conference, in a service, in a revival, 90% of the time, you are always in receiving mode. How do you function? It's about you getting something, you getting something. How do you function? And then you go back to the churches burning with fire, and where do you function? Do you know how many Christians are so frustrated and why they've left churches? Because there's no place for them to function because there's no room in the end. That structure does not make room. It's limited by man. It's limited by man's wisdom. It's limited by man's understanding. But in the convergence, what the Lord told me to do, there's none of that. We all come together as believers and lovers of God, and we all individually sit before the Lord, worship the Lord on our own. That's the first thing we do, and listen, and we write down what we hear, like a scribe. And then we share what God is saying. And by the sharing of what we hear from the Lord, we get lifted up higher and higher and higher. And when we come back together, we minister to the heart of the Lord worship and we go up higher and higher. And all of a sudden, we begin to become functioning as a corporate body of Christ in love with him. And the love bonds that are knitted in that relationship between us, they we still have them. I'm now laboring with people I never met before. And it's like I've known them my whole life. God truly in this convergence, in this behind the veil ministry is able to arrange the body parts where he wants them to be. You find your purpose. You, you, you find the people you're supposed to be with because God has arranged you. Each part supplying what the other needs. And in that, 
the perfecting of the Lord, which is not found in the holy place, is incapable of perfecting the consciousness of the believer in the holy place behind the veil. He is able to perfect our consciousness. He does free us. He does deliver us. He does establish us. He does enable us in brand new ways where we are changed from glory to glory to prepare us, as in Revelation 1 through 5, for the events that are going to come for his end time purposes. We're still in the beginning part of this kingdom age of preparation until we're readied as overcomers. So God has that complete number of overcomers and full grown sons completed. Then those, then the seals will be broken. And you know, and this, and all the things that the Lord said will happen the way, way it happens. So I'm hoping that what we see this week, I hope what we learned today is that, you know, we have learned, rise up my fair one. Right. We need to come behind that veil and spend quality time in the Lord's presence. We need to be seeking his face, our first priority and our first love. This is a generation that will seek him. And as we do, we lift up our heads and as gates and we lift up our head as everlasting doorways. And we hear the knock of Revelation chapter 320 and we say, come in, King of glory. And as he comes in, you see him differently. You see him in power authority and dominion and as you see him in that power authority dominion you receive that power and authority and dominion to walk as full-grown sons of god doing only and exactly what the lord would tell you to do that's awesome isn't it such are the ways of god such are the ways of the lord and as we enter to that place we are now like it says in malachi chapter three able to bring the lord offerings in righteousness we bring the lord what he wants that pure holy worship a surrendered life the totality of our being our body soul and spirit are his and we live only for his purposes i am my beloved's and his desires are towards me and as we enter into that place corporately we begin to see what god sees hear what god hears and understand what he has for us to understand about our life about our family about our church about our ministry and then he begins to show us the city and the region of what he wants to do and how he wants it done like david we go into battle led by the lord if he sends us into battle all of that cannot be experienced in the holy place because in the holy place you will try to do that with a mixture of flesh and spirit and because it's lukewarm, it will be spewed out of the mouth of God. So choose, where do you want to be? Do you want to continue on this horizontal plane of the church age, which has come to an end? And eventually, because they don't return to their first love and they keep doing the works, it's going to take the symbol of his presence away from it? Or do you want to be with the company of the youths? To you is to you is to be known the secrets and the mystery to be given to be known the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom do you want to be a you or a them you want to be a wise virgin or foolish virgin what what is your choice what's your choice Bible ministry i ask you where are you bringing god's people where are you leading them to that's what god asked me i'm asking you by the holy spirit where are you bringing them where are we bringing our families? Where are we bringing our husbands, our wives, our children, and our grandchildren? Are we bringing them to sit in Sunday school and color on Sunday? Are we bringing them to youth group where they can play games? Or are we bringing them to the presence and glory of God? 
Ask the question. Father, we thank you today. We praise you. We give you honor. We give you glory. Lord, you said he that has ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God say in the church. You said in Hebrews today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the rebellion where they tested me for 40 years and found that I stood their test. But because of their disobedience and their not, not willingness to hear my voice, he said, I swear my wrath that they shall never enter their rest. Father, I pray today. I'm going to pray, Lord. Hebrews chapter 4. I feel the Lord wants me to release this over God's people today. I'm going to do that. Therefore, therefore, today, if the Holy Spirit says, if you'll hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Were your fathers tested and found I stood their test and they saw my works for 40 years. I was so provoked with this generation they, and said, they always error and led astray in their hearts. They have not received or recognized my ways or become progressively better and more experimentally intimately acquainted with them. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And I release this today. Therefore, my brethren, take care. Lest there be in any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart, which refuses to plead to, trust in, and rely on him, leading you to turn away and desert and stand aloof from the living God. But I release over you today, but instead warn, admonish, encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today, that no one that we know in our hearts and our families, you know, in our churches and ministry may be hardened into sin, set of rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin and the glamour sin may play on him. For we have become, and I release this word, fellow with Christ, the Messiah, and we share in all that he has for us. And I declare of us today, we will hold on our first newborn confidence, that original assurance of faith, the God that has started this word, we hold on it, is the God that will complete it. The God that started this good work in us will be the God that completes us. And we trust in his power and ability alone to do it. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, while the promise of rest still holds is offered today. Let us be afraid to distrust it. Lest any of you think you have come too late and it's come too, sh too short. For indeed, we have had the glad tidings of the gospel preached to us. You know, but the message in Israel, they did not, they heard it, but it did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith, the entire leaning of their personality on God in absolute trust, confidence in his power, his wisdom, goodness by those who heard it. And they were not united in faith with, with Joshua and Caleb who heard. For we who believed, and I release this over you today in the name of the Lord, you who believe, adhere to, and are trusting in and relying upon God, do enter into that rest, into behind the veil, into the third day in accordance with his declaration that those who did not believe should not enter his rest. For today in a certain place, God 
said of the seventh day, God rested from his seventh day from all his works. And they forfeited it, their part, because they he said they shall not enter into that rest. And again, I release this word over you. Seeing that the promise remains over from past times for some, the use to enter that rest, that those that would formerly given the good news about it and failed this opportunity to appropriate it, again, God has set a definite day today and says through David after a long time, today, if you hear his voice, and when you hear it, do not harden your hearts. So then we still are waiting and then we are entering into that day of the full Sabbath day rest, which was reserved for the true people of God. I release that over you today. For all of you and all of us who have entered into God's rest, we have ceased from our human efforts of trying to build our lives and build something for God, just as God ceased from his rest. So therefore we will be zealous and we will exert ourselves today to diligently to enter and stay in the holy of holies ministry, the rest of God, the secret place of the most high God, that none of us shall fall and perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience, which is in the wilderness fell. So today, again, I declare for the word of God that we heard today is sharp, alive, full, powerful, operating, energizing, effective. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. And today this word is penetrating in us to the dividing of the sword, to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit. The breath of life, the soul from the immortal spirit, and the joints and the marrow are the deepest part of our nature. Exposing, we say today, sifting, analyzing, judging, and removing everything within us that's contrary to the heart and the purposes of God. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you today that in so much we come to you, that we have a high priest. That's right, Jesus. You have ascended into the heavens. You have made a way for us, Jesus, the Son of God. We hold fast our profession of faith in your high priestly ministry. But we have a high priest who's able to understand us, sympathize with us, share feelings of our weakness, infirmities, and liabilities to the assaults of temptation. But one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sin. So today, I declare by the Spirit of God, we will then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of God that we today receive mercy for our failures and grace to help us in good time and every need, appropriate help, well-timed help coming just when we need it so that we can be the overcomers, sons of God, man-child company, um, and bride of the Lord, as God has said. Now to our God, who can do exceedingly above all that we think or ask, to him be the glory. I pray this release, this divine impartation, this divine strengthening, to God's people. Father, send your fire. Let the fire of the, the spirit of burning, the spirit of judgment come like in Isaiah and beautify us and finish us and complete us and make us be able to stay more and more and live more and more and dwell continually in that glory realm with you. This shall come to pass because this is your word, O God, that we, Lord, that, that we will be able to release on earth that which is in heaven as you did, Jesus. And Lord, the glory and the knowledge of the Lord shall fill all the earth. And I declare today 
that we shall arise. We are arising and this young generation is arising and we are shining for our light. The King of glory has come. And now, Lord, the glory of you, the glory of your manifested presence shall be seen, risen upon us, Lord. And even though we're in the season where darkness and great darkness is gonna cover the earth, Lord, the nations are coming now to the arising glory of you in us, Lord. They will see your glory arise in us and nations will come to be saved, healed, set free and enter your kingdom and kings shall come to our brightness of your brightness being seen on us. This is the word of the Lord. And today, Lord, just like you said in that day, when you open the scroll today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now to God, we give you all the glory in Jesus name. Now somebody just lift up their hands with me and let's just worship him. I'm just going to sing a song with me. Just stay long enough to sing the song with me. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. You're my rock. You're my fortress. You're my deliverer and you will I trust. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, I want to thank you for watching this broadcast and this week's broadcast. We'll pick up next, next Monday, same time, same station. For those of you, there are always new people. And they write to me, Brother Henry, how can we bless you? This is free. But I want to just, those of you heard this before, you just bear with me a little bit. But if God touches your heart and you feel led to bless us financially or pray for us, we appreciate it. Encourage us. That's a blessing to us. And we do have a, a PayPal account, which is going to be put up there. And that's between you and God. Giving is always between you, you and the Lord. But I know that God has people for Donna and I that love that love him and love us like the Philippian church loved Paul. And they took care of his needs and they helped him do the work of the Lord. That's what we prayed for, that God would find that people that he has for us like he had for Paul. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe God touches you this time. Maybe it's another time or I don't know what he's going to tell you. But as you listen and bring that before the Lord, if you feel led to do so, that's our PayPal link. And we appreciate it very much. We pray over those things and we thank all of you because many of you has God has touched to, to pray for us, encourage us, and to bless us financially. We appreciate it. And we know in this economy with everything costs more, I know people's giving has decreased. But don't let that be your testimony. Let your testimony be like Joseph. He sowed in a time of famine and he reaped a hundredfold. We're not guided by this world's economy. So don't hold on to what you have as that's all you're going to have. Like God told me, I had some money one time and he said, and he asked me to give it all away. It was quite a bit of money. He said, I want you to give it all away. I want you to put it here. And I, I, I was willing to do it, but I was hesitating. He said, Henry, if that's all you see that you have, that's all you have. But if you can see me, you'll understand all that I have. That just freed me. I was able to give it. And, you know, that was all I had. But you know what? In that, God has continued to bless and take care of me. And I'm sure he's done that with you. So let your giving, you know, by the Lord 
not decrease in this time, but ask God to put more in your hands and increase, not only to provide your needs, but to be a blessing to others. And those of you that God has touched for us, we thank you and bless you. We want to tell you about the Divine Convergence, May 2nd through the 7th, Schenectady, New York. I think she has that up there. I hope you do. And that, you know, if you put the uh, web link on there, it's the same thing that you have there, but you put slash uh, events dash two, and it goes directly to the link. Come and experience for yourself, pastor, leader, apostle, prophet, teacher, housewife, whoever you are, hungry and burning for God. If you want to experience this glory realm, if you want to come into the, behind that veil and bring your instruments, if you're a musician, singer, artist, bring your tools, your weapons, your flags. They're not weapons, you know, spiritual things, you know, bring them, bring the tools you do. If you're a dancer, come and dance. If you're a singer, come and sing. If you're a musician, come and join us. You know, if you're a flag ministry, bring your flags. If you want to learn how to do them, come, because we'll have those things available for you to use if you come, you know. So if you want to come and really express that pure, holy worship to the Lord, come. If you're a prophet, come. Scribe, you know, come. You know, handmaiden, manservant that know how to minister their tears and their love to the Lord at his feet, come. You're invited. All things are now ready. May 2nd through May 7th. I hope you'll come. We'd love to see in Schenectady. We are filling up pretty quickly. It's a limited size room and it is by invitation only. You have to register to come. If you don't register, you're not going to be let in. Not because I don't want people to come, because it's an invitation. And you have to bring your invitation to come. Okay, so register now. Go to our website, register. And we have an awesome room. At, we're at the Double Tree Hotel. We have awesome rooms at very reasonable discounted price, including breakfast. So that's awesome. It's a beautiful hotel. And I think we'll, we'll have an awesome time with the Lord there. May 2nd through May 7th, 2022. Please come. Go to our website. Have a blessed rest of the week and weekend. I may come on off and on, maybe doing a, a, a live in vibe or a blow the show bar. So keep checking the Facebook page to see if the Lord leads us to, to come back on and share with you. We love you. Thank you. Listen, right on the bottom of this Facebook, put, put your comments too. Like it, and when it's on there, if it's a blessing to you, and please share this. When you please share it, the more you share it with others, Okay, the more it reaches others, their algorithm. I don't understand. Same thing with YouTube. If you like and you share and you subscribe, it reaches more people. If you write comments, it reaches more people. So that's the only thing God has asked me to ask you to do to help spread it. I can't advertise it. I'm not taking out ads because it's the Lord's. But that part you can do. All right. We love you. Have a blessed day. This is Henry Falcom from Flame of Fire, Kingdom Awakening Messages. And have a very blessed day. Bye-bye.